look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? Not bad. I'm heading out of here. I'm gone. See you later. Bye. Yeah, I know. Right after this, I think. Yeah, I'm going to take off to the airport and uh, going to go to Nashville. Yeah. You got a CDFA conference there? Uh, yeah, I get to uh, moderate and speak at the Institute of Divorce Financial Analyst Conference there. So that's going to be uh, uh, an interesting venue for a divorce conference, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Anybody that's been to, t- to Tennessee and Nashville in particular will understand what we're talking about. Correct. And, and um, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to attend. I'm, I'm excited to see what a lot of my uh, counterparts as CDFAs in the United States are going through because they, they seem to be a few years ahead of us, yep. especially when it comes to people who are transitioning to retirement or living in retirement and then go through this divorce. So once I get that information and come back, I'll, I'll give you a bit more of an update of what happened there. Yep. And I'm going to join you in Washington after that we've got a conference there it'll be very interesting um some really high profile speakers that we're going to see to try to get a sense of what the heck is going on in the united states yeah it's going to be fun spending some time in washington talking to some key uh, correspondents we're going to go through the canadian embassy see what how the canadian u.s relationships are mm-hmm. we're going to have some fun out there too yeah i think it'll be a very interesting trip we've got a cool show today too we're going to talk about the state of the economy we're also going to chat a little bit about uh what happens if you disagree with your tax assessment We've just gone through it. Uh, Maybe you're getting reassessed and you just don't agree with it. Uh, We're going to have Jamie Golenbeck help us understand the process. And if you don't follow the process, what could happen? Correct. And it's it's pretty black and white. Yeah. And there's multiple steps. So uh, if you're if you're thinking, hang on, maybe I should challenge this assessment that I got. uh, What do I do? That'll be that'll be a great segment as well. Yeah, you bet. Uh, I thought an interesting week uh, this past week. I mean, they're all interesting uh, for various reasons. But we had the U.S. Fed meeting. Um, nothing interesting about the rate decision that was expected, which was nothing. But it's fascinating. We often talk about don't fight the Fed. Yep. Right? And uh, on Wednesday uh, around noon with the press conference, we saw equity markets move lower, um, essentially based on on one word, right, which effectively led the market to believe um, the word was transient. So talking about in, uh, inflationary pressures – being transient. And what that did is it immediately had market participants that had priced in a rate cut, an interest rate cut, repricing it to nothing, no rate cut. And we saw equity markets move down on that. And then uh, on Friday, Thursday night, we had another Fed, regional Fed president talking, which kind of brought up the idea of a rate cut again. And we saw you know currency swings and equity moves on this. So it's really interesting to understand that kind of the big levers that globally get tugged on and the implications of those different levers. Let's break this down. What does this commentary, the reaction of the market right now, what does that mean for the average investor, the average retiree, the person who's so far removed from what goes on in the Fed, walking down 8th Avenue, for example, in downtown Calgary? What, is it, what does it matter for them? Well, you know, at the end of the day, it, what matters is when you go home and you look at your statement or whatever the case may be, um, and, and if you're frustrated, if you're nervous, if you're scared, if things are down, nobody's scared when things go up. We're scared. We need a, you need a plan. Like you need, you need some understanding of what these levers mean and how to prepare for it, right? So there has to be a thesis. You have to have some, some idea mm-hmm. of what you're investing in. And more importantly, um, you probably don't want all your eggs in one basket, 
right? So what do you mean by that? Because that's that's a very that's a comment that I made during Easter. I posted that on my social media, but I I didn't mean it. Why don't you tell me what you mean, and I'll kind of go from there. Sure. And I'm not going to. I'm not referring to all your eggs in one basket in in probably the traditional sense. I'm saying that, uh, and I'm speaking just to those people transitioning to or living in retirement. But as you're moving to that. Um, you don't want one single big bucket trying to do everything for you, right? So we often talk about this notion that there's different objectives and goals. And so if I've got a, a, an income objective, right, I'm not sure that I want my uh, income assets exposed to the volatility of the equity market so that, you know, un- if I'm unlucky, I get on the wrong end of an equity move down and I have to take money out of a depleted portfolio. That's a problem, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So so what does it mean to the average investor? Uh, a lot of it is is... Uh, you know, we talk about all these different things. However, markets do move based on this, right? You need to have an economic understanding of, of what the future holds and what the data points mean so that you can properly position a portfolio to achieve long-term goals, right? And so it's like any other business. There are people that specialize in certain areas, okay? I'm building a house. Trust me, do it again, Dave, doesn't build his own house, right? That would be a disaster, <laughs> right? Because yes. the first one would fall down and I would have learned what to do for the second one, right? Yeah. No good. Um, so I think it, there's implications around uh, if you don't understand the strategy and how to position given these data points that you need you need a specialist to help in those areas. And so in our industry, people talk about just invest for the long term, you'll be fine, sure. all that kind of comments that we make um, or that we hear at least. I think one one thing that you said about when the Federal Reserve had their, their meeting and they, and they had their communication out, um, it was one word that changed the markets from positive to negative. Right. And that kind of volatility is here to stay. Now, volatility is something nobody wants when they're in retirement. Right. They want more certainty. Right. You want more certainty when you're in retirement than when you're 30. Right. When it comes to your portfolio. And so, because you have all your money tied up in, in, in savings, in different investment vehicles, that volatility has more of an emotional reaction to you. And so, what we need to understand for the average person out there who may not be totally engaged in what's going on with the Federal Reserve is that they have to understand going forward, volatility is here to stay. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with volatility? And being in Calgary in April, we had a snowstorm. Snowfalls happen in Too April. Soon. Too soon. Too that soon? That, Too was, soon. that hurt you? Oh. Okay, sorry, dude. Uh, <laughs> Every April, we're going to probably have a snowstorm. Hey, 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 back it up. So let's let's just deal with it. (laughs) Yes, it may not be fun. Yes, it may cause some problems. But we have to know as Calgarians, spring doesn't happen as conventional spring. (laughs) That's true. Okay? And that's the same thing with the markets. Spring in the markets is not conventional spring. It's going to be snowfalls and blizzards, and it's going to be sunshine and rainbows, and you don't know which day it is, but learn to kind of deal with that through a plan, a strategy, alternative to your strategy. What do you do? That requires a lot of work. So you need to ask those questions of your advisor. Mm -hmm. What do you do? How do you do it? What if you're wrong? 
What if you're wrong and things are better? What if you're wrong and things are not are worse? So have have those conversations with your advisor. Right. And if you're doing it yourself, write those strategies down and what you're going to do. Have your playbook ready. Okay. And let's talk just a quick strategy. I know mm-hmm. we're running out of time here. Uh, but I want to go to the Buff- Warren Buffett effect because it okay. happened again this week. Yeah. Um, Warren Buffett announcing that uh, Berkshire Hathaway, his company, is making an investment in Amazon. Uh, the day after he makes that announcement, Amazon stock is up. I mean, markets were good on Friday uh, in the early trade, and we saw that. So I can't attribute it all to that. But there's a high correlation between that announcement and the you know the stock that they're investing in going up. Correct. Um, what's interesting? So so Buffett has a strategy. I think whether you like his approach or don't like his approach, most people would respect his approach and yep. say he's, you know he's done pretty good over time. Uh, you and I were doing some research on that not too long ago. Um, now, don't quote me on the exact numbers here, but I'm sure going from memory that um, Berkshire Hathaway has underperformed the S&P 500 40% of the time. Correct. Okay, so I'm going back to your comment about strategy, mm-hmm. right? You've got to have a strategy um, based on some, some process and fundamentals, right, uh, that you have to stick with over time. Because had you gotten disappointed at some point with Berkshire and sold at the lows, right, you're creating these kind of permanent, this permanent damage. So understand the strategy. It does have to be long-term, and I don't say that flippantly, right, but there has to be a process and a discipline that's applied over time because no one, anybody, nobody, no company, no strategy, nothing maximizes growth, as an example, in any given, in every given scenario. Correct. So you have to get the, the averages over some period of time and manage to that. Yeah, and let's not forget that Warren Buffett, yes, he's been known as a value investor. Right. He just bought Amazon recently. Right. He's paying 82 times earnings for that company. Right. That's not value. Right. He sees something different. Right. Okay? He sees growth that will attribute the value from it. Right. So he has strategies, as that we all know of, but he has different ways of getting into the market and getting out of the market. Right. That's something we can all learn from. Right. Right. Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap that conversation up. But we have an upcoming seminar because we're going to talk about strategy and bulletproofing your retirement. Uh, why don't we remind you? And that's you? the growth bucket. How do you actually profit and protect yeah. in these types of markets? And we're going to go through our five-pillar investment strategy approach on Tuesday, May 14th, 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go online to register at More Than Money Radio. You concerned about the state of the Canadian economy? Stick around after the break. We'll be discussing that. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Faisal, lots of questions about the Canadian economy, the state of the Canadian economy. And we perhaps feel it a little more acutely in Alberta than some other regions in Canada for mm-hmm. all of the you know the provincial issues that we've had as well. Correct. Correct. There's a lot of things... Um, bringing a bit of anxiety, yeah. stress, concerns for, for Albertans and for, for many Canadians. So let's go to the experts and figure out what's going on here. We're going to invite Benny Tall, a, a regular recurring guest of ours, but he's also the Deputy Chief Economist to CIBC to the show. Benny, thanks for taking some time with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, maybe let's just get right down to, uh, to brass tacks here. So I'd, I'd like to get your take on the, the factors that are currently affecting the Canadian economy and kind of where you think the state of the economy is. Well, there are so many things that, uh, you know, the government and the Bank of Canada have to deal with, and a lot of them we simply cannot control. Uh, clearly, what's happening in the U.S. is a major factor. The U.S. Econ- economy is starting to slow down, and we feel the pain. Then we have the trade dispute between the U.S. and uh, China, and we are caught in between. That's not exactly helping for investment when it comes to Canada. 
then of course uh, you have the impact of uh, changes to regulations in Canada on the housing market. I'm referring referring to the stress test B20 that in my opinion was a game changer when it comes to the housing market, especially in places like Toronto and Vancouver, but clearly also impacted Alberta. So you have a lot of things to deal with and this economy is starting to slow down. There is no question about it. And in fact, for the first time in many, many years, the Bank of Canada is more pessimistic than the consensus in the market when it comes to uh, the Canadian economy. They are expecting the next GDP growth a number to be only 0.3%, very, very close to zero, and uh, only 1.3% GDP growth for the, ca- for the country as a whole, for the year as a whole. That's a, that's a very, very weak number. So the Bank of Canada is telling you, listen, the economy is not doing so great. We are not touching interest rates by any stretch of the imagination. What, uh, so what do you attribute that difference to? Why? Why? Because you're right. It's, it's a bit of an anomaly where the bank tends to be uh, a little bit more um, bullish than economists. So what do you attribute that to? What's the difference between the private and public sector here in terms of their analysis? Yes, I think that their main focus is on the export market, and they don't expect exports to improve in any any significant way. They look at the different models. I won't get too technical here. They look at production and, and um, expenditures, and uh, the street mostly looks at production, and that's the difference. And the difference is really what you think about the exports. Regardless of the number, the message is very clear. The economy is going nowhere. But I think that what the bank is doing is the following. They are basically lowering the bar for economic growth in order to remove any expectations that the bank actually will cut interest rates anytime soon. Basically, they're saying, listen, we are already depressed and we are not cutting, so don't expect us to cut interest rates. I think that's really uh, the reason why they are a bit more pessimistic than the, bank, than the market as well. So, so why not cut interest rates? Like if, if they're trying to avoid this, wouldn't we're hearing from the Americans, especially their president and so forth, saying cut interest rates. We want still have the economy growing. We don't have that same conversation here in Canada. Why is that? Well, first of all, I'm glad that our prime minister is not telling anything <laughs> to the Bank of Canada. I don't think it's exactly it's, it's something that we want to see. Uh, it's very dangerous, quite, quite frankly, because everything, everything depends on the credibility of a central bank. The minute the central bank loses the credibility, he loses everything. And uh, I, I think, I think uh, Powell in the U.S. really does not pay too much attention to what Trump is saying. Right. And uh, I think that... Um, uh, the Bank of Canada would like to avoid cutting interest rates because, think about it for a second, we have a housing market that is slowing down, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. A major factor in the market. Now, you have B20, now the, the stress test, aiming at slowing down the market. Now, if you cut interest rates, you're going the other direction. So you have like uh, two opposing forces. It's like putting a humidifier and a dehumidifier in the same room and let them work it out. <laughs> and it's not going to work. So I suggest that uh, they would like to avoid uh, cutting interest rates. Because remember, if you cut interest rates now and we have another recession two or three years from now and your starting point is close to zero, what do you do? Right. So they would like to avoid this. So let's, you, you use the R word. Let's, let's bring it up. Uh, what's the chance of a recession in Canada this year? I think the chance is relatively low. Uh, we have this uh, yield curve, the difference between long-term interest rates and short-term interest rates. And usually this difference is positive 
sometimes in very funny occasions, you have a situation which uh, the yield curve, namely the difference between long-term interest rates and short-term interest rates, is inverted, a situation which long-term interest rates are higher, are actually lower than short-term interest rates. Usually when it happens, when we have an inverted yield curve, we have a recession a year after. And our yield curve is not inverted, but it's very close to be inverted now. So people are talking about a recession. Right. But the reason why we had it in the past is because central bankers made a mistake. They basically committed a monetary policy error. They were overshooting. They raised interest rates way too much. Every economic recession over the past 50, 60 years was helped, if not caused, by a monetary policy error in which central bankers were chasing inflation that was not there, raised interest rates to the sky, and killed the economy and the housing market. Right. This time around, both the central bank in the U.S. and in Canada are telling us, listen, we are not repeating past mistakes. We are not overshooting. And that's exactly why they changed the language 180 from November, October of last year to today, basically saying we are done. Back then, they were talking about raising interest rates by another 100 basis points. Now they're telling us we are done. This change, to me, suggests that they are realizing that they are not willing and able to repeat past mistakes and overshoot when it comes to monetary tightening. Okay. So let's forecast forward. Uh, you know, we're sitting here today. We know there's some risks on the horizon. Maybe give us a sense of, of what the next uh, 12 to 24 months looks like. What, what do we need as investors to be focused on in Canada? Um, you know, what's keeping you up at night? And, and then if you can expand that just beyond Canadian borders to the global uh, environment. What should we be keeping our eye on here? Well, the number one issue now from a global perspective is the China-U.S. trade dispute. And we need a resolution there. I suggest uh, that within a few weeks, Trump will come to the market and say, we have an unbelievable victory here. We have an agreement and they will sign an agreement and there will be a lot of cameras there. And uh, at the same time, this agreement, like we have seen with NAFTA, like we have seen with North Korea, and that's a trend with Trump. He creates a crisis, he runs with it, then he solves it, or basically pretends to solve it, and then he says, uh, I, I saved the world with that. Right. And, and the, the, actual, the actual agreement, if you look at NAFTA, if you look at North Korea, was really, changes were at the margin. They really didn't deal with the structural issue. I suggest the same, same will happen with China. And after China is uh, signed, the next target will be the EU. Mm -hmm. The U.S. against the EU, especially in the auto sector. There will be a little bit of nervousness in the market about it. But again, the trend will repeat. And I think that uh, they will sign something without changing the structure of the market. So that's number one to focus on, the trade dispute. And I think that the market actually will rally the minute Trump announces this uh, agreement with uh, China. So that will be a positive. Another factor, of course, uh, is uh, to what extent the Fed will be cutting interest rates as opposed to raising interest rates. And the number one issue here is what I call the fiscal swing, another thing to focus on in the second half of 2019. The fiscal swing is the long-term pain, if you wish, of the short-term gain that uh, Trump uh, uh, imposed on the economy after stimulating economic activities through fiscal policy. So basically, 2018 was a very good year for the U.S. economy because of fiscal spending. Late 2018, 2020 will be actually a negative because the fiscal policy will be a negative. 
So that's something that we will have to look at because that will take the U.S. economy down a little bit and the market will start talking about a recession in 2020. And then when I, that's when I believe the Fed will have a 2020 vision, if you wish. And they will actually cut interest rates in order to avoid a more significant slowdown that is largely due to the fiscal swing coming from Trump. Uh, so, Benny, t- maybe um, before we just finish up here, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the Canadian-U.S. dollar and the currency pair and the trade, the direction. How do you see that playing out over the next little while? Yes, uh, as you know, the Canadian dollar lost some ground against the U.S. dollar. And quite frankly, I cannot see a scenario in which the Canadian dollar will go up dramatically. There are two or three forces that impact the Canadian dollar at any point in time. One is, uh, of course, oil, and now oil is actually rising because of what's happening with Iran. We know the story. Then we have uh, interest rates between Canada and the U.S., the spread. And then we have the general uh, momentum of the U.S. dollar. I think that uh, the oil sector or the oil story is definitely a positive for the Canadian dollar. However, the interest rate story, the housing market is slowing Canadian economy, is not a positive. And Canada needs a lower dollar, if you wish, in order to stimulate activity and investment. And I think that the Bank of Canada would like to see the dollar going a bit lower. And the U.S. dollar is, in general, is relatively stable. So if I have to guess, I suggest that the Canadian dollar will remain more or less where it is. And if there is a bias, maybe it will go down a little bit. Benny, we have to cut it off there. I want to thank you again for your time and your insight. A pleasure. Thank you. Good luck. Been joined by Benny Tal, uh, Deputy Chief Economist at CIBC. We're going to wrap up this segment, my friend, but we have an upcoming seminar I'd like you to remind everybody about. Yeah, how do we take all this economic information, build it into a strategy using five-pillar investment strategy approach in order to bulletproof your retirement? We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, May 14th, 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can go online to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Did you get a tax assessment that you don't agree with? You disagree with the CRA? Well, stick around for the next segment. You're going to be impressed with uh, with Jamie Golenbach's input. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world, it smiles with you. When you're laughing, they... When you're Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal well, on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We just got through tax season, buddy. Is it is the pain over yet? Uh, we'll find out when the assessments come. That's right. What <laughs> happens when those assessments come? So what happens if you get assessed now? I mean, this is stage two. If you get assessed and you disagree with CRA's assessment of your tax return, you know, what uh, what happens? What do you have to do? Now, we've got Jamie Golan back here. He's a managing director of tax and estate planning at CIBC Financial Planning and Advice to help us understand this process because it is a process and there's some specific steps that people need to be aware of. First of all, Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. So let, let's start there. What happens if you get assessed and you disagree with the assessment from CRA? What do you have to do? Yeah, there's a few things you can do. Some are formal, some are informal. I would say don't panic. I mean, in most cases, you can usually resolve the issue. Um, but there are certain legal rights that you ultimately have to protect. So you can try informally phoning and writing a letter and doing all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the only way to legally object is by filing what's called a, a notice of objection. So there's actually a form on the Internet. 
Uh, you can just Google it, uh, CRA, Notice of Objections, the T400A. You don't actually have to use the form. You could actually send a letter in, but no, we recommend using the form. It's a simple form. And uh, you have to pay attention to legal deadline. The deadline is one year from your filing due date or 90 days after your assessment, whatever is later. So, so in a typical situation, let's say they disagree with something that you've claimed and they write you a letter and uh, you, you have a chance to explain it, but at the end of the day, they just reassess you. So again, the, the deadline is very important. You have to file legally that objection by the deadline. And typically speaking, if you're filing your return by April 30th, you'd have till April 30th of the following year. However, if they come back like three years later and they reassess your 2018 return, then you only have 90 days um, because it's, you know, it's over a year past the deadline. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you really have to pay attention to that deadline. If you miss the deadline, theoretically, you can still apply for an extension, but then they could deny your extension. So you got to protect your rights. And, and if you don't, there are some consequences. These are legal rights. You've used the word several times. If you don't follow the deadlines and the process, what happens? Well, you can be out of luck. So you might have the best case in the world and justify and have all the receipts and justifying your expense claims and everything's perfect. But if you miss a deadline and CRA refuses to extend it for whatever reason, that was you didn't have a valid reason or you just forgot or you didn't know and there's no valid reason, then even though you might have uh, a good case, your case can't be heard and the CRA has no power to change your uh, no power to change it. So you really can't object at that point if you miss the deadline. So very, very important to pay attention to the deadline. Yeah, Jamie, what what kind of disagreements are you most likely to get reconsidered by the CRA? I think most common ones that we see, of course, are expenses. Uh, we see people that are either employees that are writing off certain employment expenses that they believe are deductible. In many cases, they're actually not deductible. People are paying for, like, you know, parking to work, uh, transportation to work, special clothing for work, you know, like very questionable stuff. Uh, in some cases, those are audited and those are disagreed or, or you know, and in other cases, they're business owners that are self-employed or they're professionals like doctors or lawyers or other types of uh, independent professionals, and they're writing off expenses. And uh, some of them are a bit aggressive and they don't have justifiable business purposes. We see, you know, meals and entertainment, you know, regularly CRA is asking for proof of not just the receipts, but, you know, who did you uh, actually have lunch with and what was the business purpose? And if all you have a bunch of credit card receipts uh, or a credit card statement, that's usually not good enough. And uh, so these are the kind of things that most often cause conflict that we see on a personal basis. So, so here's one of the fears I think a lot of people have. If, if you disagree or you object and you get into a, um, you know, a dispute with CRA, Jamie, what, you know, what's CRA's memory on this? Uh, you know, are, is this going to be a long-term, is there a long-term consequence to this? Are you going to get audited every year? You know, what should people be aware of there? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, look, it depends on how you resolve the situation. If you're self-employed and they're denying expenses, and, uh, and you, you're not successful, then, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they come back regularly because, you know, they're looking for this stuff, right? And they usually you know, don't just do one year, they do two or three years. Uh, that being said, like, I've been audited the last couple of years in a row. They ask for random things like donation receipts. They ask for, you know, medical expenses. They ask me. They ask me for my public transit passes. And, you know, each year I send in this stuff. And then, you know, months later I get a letter saying, no problem. And, uh, but I, I seem to get picked also, you know, randomly. Uh, and these aren't really full-blown audits where they want, you know, justification for everything on my return. But they are asking, you know, certain types of questions. So, you know, there's really nothing to panic. It's sort of a pain. Uh, hopefully the CRA can be more strategic 
uh, in terms of selecting, you know, who they audit, in terms of the dollar amounts, and you know, wasting people's time. Um, the interesting thing is just this week they uh, introduced a consultation process where they actually want feedback. We can talk about that on another show, but, but basically uh, you can actually go online now and give your feedback to the CRA as part of a public consultation process. A report's going to be issued in, in the fall that really allows you to give feedback on what's working, what's not working, what you want improvements on at the CRA from a service perspective. Well, that'll be uh, it'll be interesting. We should talk about that in the fall. What the results are, uh, Jamie. We know your your uh, schedule is tight. We're going to let you go at that point. I just want to thank you for uh, shedding some light on what the next step in the process is. If you don't agree with the uh, you know the reassessment that you get from the CRA, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks again. Been joined by Jamie Golombek, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. Uh, I mean, tax. Nobody tax is an important issue for everybody. Clearly, right? Um, nobody lives on pre-tax income. We live on after-tax income. Uh, the tax code gets more seems to get more complicated, not easier. Correct, right? And it's changing constantly, and people have to just keep abreast of of this. Or again, work with a tax professional to ensure that you're getting the right structure and advice. And what I think people have to remember about when you use a professional that if you get reassessed, if you're asked to provide information, and you send that to your your tax professional, there's going to be more costs. Right. You're paying for labor. You're paying for them sure. to do the work for you. And yep. so be aware of these things. It's, it's a pain in the butt, like uh, like Jamie said, but these these are the things. And also having some basic understanding of how tax works, right? Like you mentioned, you can't write off your your your, your, your outfit, Dave, yep. because of where, where you work and so forth. You're not allowed to do right. that, right? In some jobs, you can. Right. In, in, in many, you cannot. Right. So you got to know the rules of what you're doing. Don't don't try to push it through. For uh, I've seen um, individuals just say, oh, let's try it and see what happens. And then when that happens, they're, they're frustrated. Right. It's time-consuming. There's cost. Um, so just understand some of the basic rules. If you're a business owner, what you can and cannot do. Understand the rules as an investor. Mm-hmm. What's, what's taxable, what's not taxable. Mm-hmm. That gets very frustrating mm-hmm. over time. And then also when you're, um, you're looking for deductions or, or credits to be utilized, um, we are in an honor system tax break program. Like you just basically have to disclose after the fact. There's no one asking for this information in advance. Right. And so when you disclose on an honor system, uh, they they do have the right to query you and ask you. Well, prove it. So right. uh, I think people need to be aware of that. And at the end of the day, we want the right people paying the right amount of tax uh, over the right long over the long term because that benefits everybody. Yeah, and, and you know, Jamie used the word uh, aggressive. And so there's a range. Remember, there's a range of things that you can um, submit and not. And as you said, some in some cases it's permissible, in some cases it's not permissible. But you do have the ability to uh, to make a case for that, right? Even if it's uh, reassessed and the CRA says no, you can say, well, here's my case why. Um, and, you know, who, who knows how it works out? It just depends on the individual circumstances. But there is a process. Yes. You need to follow it, yep. get advice, get tax advice on this if you're going to put an objection or when you're filing your taxes. Yeah. Okay. Um, we got to wrap it up here. We're going to have, uh, I, I made the comment earlier that nobody lives on pre-tax income. We live on after-tax income. And so tax becomes an important piece of the overall planning mechanism when you're going through and doing a lifestyle and a financial plan, right? Because we did a show not too long ago about all the different kinds of income that you may have in retirement, okay, versus maybe what you had 
as T4 income when you were, you know, employment income when you were working. Correct. And so there's a complexity to determining how and where you should be taking cash flow from, from a tax perspective. We want to talk about that at our upcoming seminar. And that'll be on Tuesday, May 14th, 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400, or go online to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Are you guessing at your retirement number? Well, stick around after the break. We're going to discuss that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, you know, an interesting conversation about economics and uh, positioning and strategy and so yeah. on and so forth. What's interesting is um, there was a, some new, there's new research coming out all the time. We talked about, I talked about this last week mm-hmm. um, about sort of preparedness. Okay. Uh, um, Moving in, so pre-retirees moving into retirement, how prepared they are, and what they're basing their their plans on. Now, this is American data, fairness. In fair uh, fairness, but anecdotally, you and I can say that this would support the kinds of interactions that we have on a regular basis in Calgary. Correct. Okay. So, American data, fair enough. But it was looking at um, pre-retirees' uh, preparedness moving into retirement and what it's based on. One of the first questions that were asked in most conversations mm-hmm. is, do I have enough? Can I do it? Right? Some, some questions, some form like that, but there's stress associated with this uncertainty of knowing, can this be done? Is this a high probability outcome or is this just a crapshoot? Right? Yeah. Now, Transamerica did this report in looking at um, people's savings plan. What number do I need to get to? So this is a U.S. study, so we'll put that as a caveat just yeah. so people understand that this is where we're getting the data from. Right. Um, this Transamerica study, which the first line that caught my yep. attention out of it was um, of those uh, are that are, are baby boomers, 45% of them say that their savings target, the amount of money they need for retirement, is based on a guess. Well, is, of, of those that actually had it, right? Of those that have it. So of those that even have a plan, 40, I think it was 46, 45, 46% said it's a guess. So it's not 100% of people have a number. That, so it's, it's worse than what we're thinking. Correct. Right it's a guess. Yeah. And, and, and so then on, on, on my social media day, there's a, I'm on a Facebook group chat, which um, are all retirees from North America. Yeah. So I joined it just to see what the conversation's like, maybe give my two cents, collect, get some wisdom from people. And time and time again, I see people posting on this chat line or this, this chat group, and they say, I'm two years away from retirement. What do I need to do to prepare for retirement? And then, of course, because it's me, I come out and say, have you a retirement plan in writing? Right to outline what your financial situation may look like over time. Nine out of 10 that ask those questions come back and say, what are you talking about? Right. Right. And that's what this this research report said, is we don't don't get into the nitty-gritty, was their words, where people aren't getting into the nitty-gritty of the actual plan. Now, there are a group of people in this Facebook group, and I'm going to use this as anecdotal evidence to kind of make a point. Um, There's a group of people who are scared to know the reality. It's kind of like going for a physical with your doctor and saying, yeah. uh, he might find something. I don't want to know that. I don't want to so know. So there's lots of people that yeah. do not go to a, for an annual physical because they don't want to know. Right. Okay. The, their head is in the sand. Right. The same thing happens when it comes to retirement planning. I don't want anybody telling me 
I can't do it. Right. Or I don't, I'm, I don't want to show all my information or I'm worried of the outcome. Yeah. Okay. There's a, another group of people who literally cross their fingers and hope it works out. Right. That the higher being or something out there is going to be able to help them through retirement financially. And I'm speaking of financially. There's a whole bunch of different parts to retirement. What are you going to do? Who are you going to do it with? All these things that you go through emotions. Um, that I understand. Yep. When it comes from a financial perspective, they're crossing their fingers and they're hoping it's going to work out. Yeah, and here's, and here's the issue. And listen, everybody can make it through retirement. You and I both know that. What we're negotiating is the quality of life and the quality of experience that they have going through it. It's the experience. You're absolutely right. Right. Everybody can make it through uh, and survive in Canada. Okay. And so can you kind of just dig into that? We've got a couple minutes before yeah. the end of the show. Just kind of dig into when you say everybody can retire because that's not the message the industry that we're in everybody can. says that. You need to save millions of dollars right. to get to your retirement goal. If you don't do that. Right. So when you say everybody can retire, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, w- listen, we've got, a, we've got a social security now in place. You, CPP, you've got OAS, you've got GIS, you've got government subsidies that will ensure that nobody is starving to death in Canada. Okay? You're going to be able to get through it. Um, lots of different options on how you get through it. If if what you have doesn't um, create the lifestyle experience that you want to have, then there's options, including going back to work to you know just shortening, like doing it for a short period of time. Right? I'm going to have ten years of fun, and it's going to fall off over that. There's lots of different levers to pull. Here. So if I'm hearing you correctly, everybody can retire, of course. But if you want the quality, correct? If you have a certain quality of retirement that you want. That requires a plan. And if you're not prepared to, to change your, your lifestyle from going from one level, let's call it higher, yep. to the basic minimum right. so you can survive right. through retirement, right. then a plan is required. A plan is required. And what's interesting about, about the plan, we talk about this uh, with people all the time, um, even if you were to put a plan together and you overspent in one year, as an example, mm-hmm. okay, the implications of that overspend don't happen tomorrow or next week or next month. The implications are years into the future. Potentially. Yep. Potentially. Right. Yep. I mean, you could lose half on doing something crazy. But, yep. but for most people, if it's, okay, I went on that around-the-world cruise that costs a little bit more this year because it's my 50th anniversary, yep. right? Um, and that was more than what I planned on spending. This is not a catastrophic event. Going to Vegas, putting half on black, and coming up on red. Okay, different different outcome here. But the, but the point is, the plan allows us to take a look into the future, use some conservative assumptions, get a sense if there's going to be a problem. If there is a problem, how can we how how do we solve that particular problem? Yeah. Right. Versus going in blind, spending way too much early on. And then getting to a point where there are no options. It's just reduce quality of life. Lifestyle goes down, right? And I that's what everybody's trying to avoid. I don't think people really understand that because they're, they're fun years. Mm-hmm. Let's make up an, a, a time frame, 65 to 75, yeah. is what people focus on. They don't realize that 75 to 85, completely different. Right. 85 and beyond, right. completely different. Right. And so the quality of life of what you have in your vision of your retirement will change and has a higher risk of not being what you wanted if you don't prepare for this. Correct. So Correct. if your head is in the sand or you're crossing your fingers and you know hoping this is going to work out, those two strategies may not work. For, most likely right. won't work for right. you. Right. Well, most certainly what it will do is it will create it will create stress. We see it all the time. It, that's the source of stress is the uncertainty. I get that it might be stressful to go through the process and find the answer. Maybe is not the answer you wanted. 
Right? I get that. I, we understand that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, bearing your hand, hope's not a strategy. We talk about that in the seminar all the time. Hope Correct. is not a strategy, right? It's, uh, you know, some people use it. It may or may not work out, but it certainly can't be considered a strategy. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, oh, no, sorry. We're, we've got to wrap this up. We're running out of time. Um, yeah, you talk our, too much. Too. Our upcoming seminar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. because we're going to continue this conversation then. That's and right. so it's not only the plan. It's not only growing your money, but how do you protect yourself? How yeah. do you ensure or bulletproof your retirement? And that's what we're going to talk about on Tuesday, May 14th, 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. And don't forget that you can access any of our past segments on morethanmoneyradio.com. Or you can have them directly delivered to you. All you have to do is search for More Than Money CHQR on Apple Podcast or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.